guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. This episode of Dubai Works is sponsored by Petra Insurance, a groundbreaking player in the UAE insurance market. With more than 55 years of experience in the industry, Petra Insurance offers a range of products to individuals and companies, providing quick solutions and the advantage of paying in installments. They also recognize the importance of transparency and they make it a point to assure trust in their policies. You can get in contact with them directly by visiting insurewithpetra.com. We're back with FinTech this week. I know we've had a few of these conversations uh, in the past, and this is another one. I think this is one of the best ones really in explaining uh, the confusing area of financial services and digital technologies. Uh, but it's a really good interview. Uh, it's a very interesting story. The company's raised a lot of money. Uh, they're still very young, uh, and they've got a unique kind of user product as well. So enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. I'm Richard Fitzgerald, and this week we're joined by the founder of Mamo, a payment service, Asim Janjua. So uh, it's a UAE-based fintech startup that is set to change the future of payments and finance in the Middle East. What they're trying to do is give users effortless access to their money uh, through an application that demonstrates really simple uh, simplicity, empathy, and utility. So today we're going to be talking about the story of Mamo, what they've done so far, how they came up with the idea. Uh, we'll jump onto the fintech industry in the UAE in the region that's really hot right now, and we'll talk about the future. Uh, good morning, Asim. Good morning, Richard. Thank you for having me here. And thanks for joining. So we're doing it this in remote offices, remote studios. Where are you based at the moment? Uh, we're actually based in Dubai, UAE, in the IFC. Oh, very good. So right at the center of the financial world in, in the UAE. Yes, indeed. And it's uh, very exciting uh, being um, along the Gate Avenue where you have uh, so many fintechs as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's the epicenter, let's say, um, yeah. of the fintech. Very good. Super exciting times at the moment. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Mamo, uh, how the idea came about and the story so far? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Um, so I would probably take this back to around 2018. And the initial idea was seeded in a um, pain point that me and my co-founder, Imad, were actually having. At the time, um, he was still working at Google. I had just left Google as well. And um, we were sharing a, 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 an apartment where we had to um, divvy up our expenses. And we always found it extremely difficult to um, uh, share expenses, mostly used spreadsheets at that time. And just generally um, um, found banking system in the region perhaps um, not as fast and as easy to use as um, where I'm from in, in, the, in the UK um, or across Europe and um, USA. Um, we'd complain a lot. 
um, about it. Um, at some point, we decided to stop complaining and do something about it. Neither of us had any fintech background. At the time, Imad was an engineer at Google. I was uh, an engineer and front-end designer at Google as well. Um, but we love challenges. And we decided to do this on the premise that we will both learn um, an entirely new sector, something that we know very little about, um, and offer a service um, to the region that allows for the transfer, simple, simple idea, allows for the transfer of money to happen um, a lot easier than it is happening right now. Um, our incumbent services usually took uh, several days um, to transfer money using IBAN numbers, account numbers, sometimes um, getting the information wrong as well. Um, so what we did was really leverage um, um, smartphones to be able to send and receive uh, money instantly simply through your contact book. Amazing. So we'll get into a little bit later uh, why it is such a hard thing to do and why the fintech, uh, you know, why new technologies are needed and why the old financial uh, systems aren't uh, really built for a digital world. But, uh, you know, focusing on the idea, and I find it super interesting that both of you obviously worked with one of the tech giants. Uh, one was an engineer, uh, and you were also a designer, engineer, a front end. So it sounds like the, the perfect skill sets needed to say build this and design this type of a, a product even if you don't come from the fintech world is, is that how you got your your say minimal viable product out there was working with you and your partner and were you guys able to come up with the first version of of mamo together yeah absolutely um and i think you've highlighted something really important there um it would have taken the duo to do what we've done today um for example um, I couldn't have done the design and made the user experience as simple as it is today if I didn't have the support of the backend system that Imad was really focused on. The backend system really requires um, um, a lot of effort for us to make the process as simple as possible on the front end. So while Imad focused on the engineering of the backend system, um, our collection settlement systems, making sure that there was no latency as quick as possible, um, I've, I focused on making the product itself as um, uh, human as possible. Everything from the digital experience all the way through to the offline experience on how we deal with um, uh, issues um, at the company. Okay, so how how has it gone so far? When did you have your first successful transaction other than sending it to Imad, your friend and partner? When, when, when did you have the first user uh, using Mamo and how has the journey gone so far? Um, so yeah, in, in 2019, around June, um, we officially registered Mamo um, uh, as, as, as a company. And from that at that point, we had very much a minimal viable product. Literally, all you could do was send and receive um, um, money inside the app. Um, we also made sure that we uh, set ourselves up for success. So the initial launch was amongst friends and family. Um, so we had um, already prepared friends and family who we'd also interviewed on, on the pain point and to make sure that um, we weren't barking up the wrong tree and that we were solving a problem that um, people were um, having and um, that was shared amongst us as well. So the first initial launch really, really honed in on about a hundred friends and family um, across Dubai who really tested um, our app in the early days uh, for us. 
Um, and then, of course, we know what happened uh, in and around 2020. Um, at that point, Imad was um, still at Google, but um, doing his notice period. And then COVID happened. Um, and we um, both um, looked at what we were doing and questioned whether this was actually the right time. Um, and I'm so grateful that we agreed that this was the right time uh, to start the business and continue forward because what happened during 2020 was um, doubling down on the utility of the app, but also launching a, a minimal viable product, which was literally a Google form to register businesses and send them a payment link where they can collect um, money online. Uh, most of these uh, businesses that adopted mammal business early on were yoga teachers, meditation teachers, and because of the lockdowns, they were all doing Zoom sessions now. Um, so they couldn't take cash in hand. They needed a way to collect money um, digitally. Fascinating. So yeah, so just explain a little bit more about how it technically works. Uh, you know, when you say transact money in the app, is that connected to bank accounts, current accounts, credit cards, or are people uploading money to the app first and then transferring from there how does it work yeah so initially users will onboard using their bank account so they can either transfer money into their mama wallet or they can use their credit card or debit card um, to load money onto their wallet once on the ecosystem they're able to send money through their phone book um, directly into another registered users mama wallet right um so that's just the initial uh, step in doing that while it may seem on the surface a a trivial functionality um it's very very critical um in in a way of um uh, making sure that the process of onboarding money is extremely simple. Um, so once we got that right, and once that was working really, really well, um, making sure that we had all our risk management systems in place, fraud detection systems in place, making sure that we were meeting regulators at the time um, frequently um, uh, and um, uh, working with them to make sure that we were uh, officially regulated, which we're still going through. Um, it's, it's a process. Um, once that was done, we um, doubled down on other um, features and utilities, some of which um, are still work in progress, um, but we continue to um, add features um, around every two to three weeks um, on the app. So for example, today you can send uh, a payments request from people who owe you money. Um, so, and you can do that in groups as well. So you can have four or five people where you're giving up a dinner bill, etc. as well, um, very soon. And this is um, quite fresh news. Uh, we will be launching a mammal virtual card, um, which allows you to add that card um, to your Google Pay, Apple Pay, to your Samsung Pay, whatever wallet you use um, to tap and pay for goods and services. Um, we'll be uh, launching that in, 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 in the coming month as well. Amazing. So a Mamo a virtual card as well. Uh, and so the problem you were trying to solve, uh, the speed of transaction, can you just explain the difference now between Mamo and you know a traditional uh, banking transfer like wh what are the benefits in in actual time and speeds and, and things like that yeah so 
One thing is really important. We still require KYC, um, which is know your customer. Uh, this is part of our security protocols. Um, and it also protects the user as well to make sure that they um, do not get, uh, uh, they, to make sure that they are not victims of fraud as well. But on um, on the regulator side, this is a prerequisite to, to getting regulation as well. Um, so while it, it's important um, to know that the speed of transaction um, has most definitely been enhanced. There is an onboarding process uh, to MAMO as well. And we've made that as simple as possible and streamlined as possible. So once that onboarding is done, the KYC is done, um, the user is able to um, connect their debit card or, or the bank account to MAMO Pay app. And from that point forward, it literally takes seconds to send someone money. Yeah. So while um, there might be a, a investment of time um, at the beginning, once you're on the ecosystem, once you're on the MamoPay app, um, the time to send uh, money to each other is seconds. Now compare that to um, incumbent services that banks provide. Uh, most of them require, at least in this region, I know it's different um, based on different jurisdictions. Most banks require here to onboard an IBAN number, um, which can take a day um, or sometimes even even longer with some banks. Once you've onboarded the IBAN number um, of the third party that you want to send money to, you would have to wait those 24 hours. Once you've done that, you'd be able to send them money. Um, and um, once the money is sent, the third party could receive it in a day or maybe sometimes in, in three days. So what would normally take a, f a few days to do um, in, in, the, in traditional banking um, takes um, seconds to do in, in MAMO once the KYC is done. Okay, interesting. Um, I want to ask more questions around the fintech and the technical part, but just to get the positioning right. So um, it's not positioned as a sort of a solution, as a B2B solution. It's, it's obviously nicely for people that see the stream, but also if they go on your website, the app, they see that the logo is nice. It's a very clean interface. Um, on your website, it says pay back a loved one, split the bill, pay a personal trainer, move your money at your pace. So it's basically tailored towards the user. And in that sense, uh, in that sense, it's a kind of a consumer uh, solution. Um, is that how you position it as a as a fintech product? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the 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 product in itself um, is deliberately made um, in a way that allows for everyday payments. Right. So we're not interested on on the size per se or of of the dirham value. What we're interested in is making sure that everyday payments, first and foremost. Um, are delivered almost instantly, almost real time, um, which has never happened before, at least in this region, the ability to send money instantly. So uh, yes, you're absolutely right. That is our main um, uh, use case, um, the ability to send money a lot quicker than we have ever done. Um, and that's on the consumer app. So that's for personal use. Um, we uh, coupled that with the MamoPay business um, uh, web app. It's, it's not uh, currently connected to the uh, native app experience on um, iOS or Android. Um, and it will be eventually. We can go into that a little later on how the two connect. But we do have a business product that allows small businesses to collect payments um, uh, through a web link. Okay, fascinating. Okay, let's get a little bit more technical. So how does the how does it actually work? You know, 
People will have had lots of experience with different apps and different fintech solutions in this region over the last few years. Um, and we, we begin to understand how the financial system works, how the role of acquiring banks, the role of, uh, you know, the reason why things take a bit longer. So, um, and then people will be familiar with Stripe. We've had companies like Zbuni on, on the podcast before. We've had different conversations with fintech providers. So we start to understand um, the workarounds and, and, and the ways to make things faster. So how have you technically made things faster? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And we can talk about this for the <laughs> entire segment if you want, but I'll, I'll keep it um, um, at, a, at the highest level possible. So um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Richard, we did invest an incredible amount of time, effort, and IP into our backend system. There's two approaches to go um, uh, in this way. One is uh, to buy a pre-built system that you can white label on, on the backend, um, which could give you a head start at the beginning um, as a startup. The other option is to build it from scratch, from the ground up. And the ground up approach, and we evaluate, evaluated both. Uh, we didn't do this from a place of, hey, we want to own it, and that's it. We really evaluated both. The approach we took was to build it in-house and completely own the IP because um, we could control the end-to-end -end experience. So we know when our app fails and we control that failure. Um, we're able to control the speed and efficiency um, of the app as well. And then the nuances of fraud detection, building our own fraud engine as well. Um, we have machine learning in-house that allows us to track patterns in behaviors, um, which we can input to and regularly update as well. Um, so from a technical perspective, the beginning of what we created was really um, the first six, six months, I would say, maybe even a little bit longer, um, the investment that we put into the backend um, system, uh, which is, is, is called console um, uh, here at Mammal. Um, once that was done, we were able to do what we do on, on the front end. Um, and while um, the money is not moving um, instantly on the back end, we are crediting users' accounts on the front end instantly. Okay. Right? So we're, 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 we're taking a bet that this user through our KYC process, through our onboarding process is legitimate and we're sending the money. Yeah. So, um, while, while we're just moving zeros and ones on, uh, on the front end, the, the actual money gets settled much later and that could take anything between a day or three. Okay. So, okay, I understand, but it's not just um, to be visible, to show that it's transferred, you can, the other person can actually start using that as well, right? Uh, absolutely. So okay. it, it is real money. Um, it's not um, uh, simply a, a number inside a wallet. It is real money and can be uh, usable. Right now, um, we are challenged um, in providing more utility uh, for the wallet balance. Um, and that will always continue to be a challenge in the sense that um, we, we have a good user base that give us constant feedback. Um, they want to pay the bills, they want to pay the utility bills, and we're working um, on providing services like that. They want to be able to uh, pay for a coffee outside uh, using their balance on their Mamo wallet. Um, yeah. And for that, we are introducing the, the Mamo card um, so card. that they're able to do that. Yeah. Um, and then on 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 the side of um, making sure that users uh, 
are able to have access to their money, um, we have a system in place that allows them to withdraw their wallet balance at any time directly to the bank account, should they. Yeah, are you there? Yes, Richard, I'm here. Okay, great. Sorry, I thought we technical issues that we lost you. Okay, it makes sense. So, you know, you, you are basically removing the role of the acquiring bank because you're essentially becoming a type of a bank in that you're holding the cash within MAMO. So from a regulation point of view, um, how, can you just explain, uh, you know, you're in DIFC and, and, you know, we know the UAE is very advanced with fintech regulation, but can you just explain uh, the process that you're going on and the regulation, regulatory approval that you're looking for from AMO. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Richard. Um, and just like we built our own IP on the back end, um, we took the approach of self-regulating first and foremost. <laughs> that doesn't mean we're going to sideline regulation from uh, DFSA, um, who is the regulator in DIFC. Um, but being self-regulated um, is in our best interest as a business to make sure that we protect the business and make sure that it's uh, risk-free. And the benefits of uh, this self-regulation have really worked towards our advantage. This has helped us to create a wonderful relationship with the regulator here at the, the DFSA in the way of trust, you know, uh, that we're doing the right thing in the interest of protecting um, the, the, the consumer. So um, while uh, regulators are there supporting us and making sure that we are meeting their requirements, who are also making sure that we meet central banks' requirements as well, um, I would say that um, our, our approach has allowed us to go above and beyond what the regulatory requirements are. That doesn't mean to say everything's um, plain sailing or easy. Um, of course, we have... Um, uh, challenges every day with regulation, particularly when it comes to individual users, making sure the documents are correct, um, etc. Uh, we're in the process of um, regulation with the DIFC. Um, we currently have a test license, which is a preliminary license into getting full regulation. Um, and that is broken down into phases. So phase one, two, and three. Uh, we're at the beginning of that phase. Um, but Hopefully, once this is done, um, we'll be one of few startups who have gone through this process and got the uh, regulatory, actual regulatory requirements. Fascinating. Thanks for explaining. It's really interesting how they've done it like that to onboard people, not to sort of put too much red tape and, you know, mm -hmm. to gradually allow fintech companies to come on board. But when, if you, when you pass through, inshallah, the three steps, uh, what would happen then? Are, do, What's it called when we hear that fintech companies get regulatory approval from DIFC or ADGM? Is the, does that mean you're like any financial institution in the UAE or is there a different type of uh, uh, a financial uh, fintech license? Oh, absolutely. There are many, many fintech licenses. So you have a banking license, which is probably at the top um, um, of everything. We're not applying for a banking license. One, it's very, very costly. And two, it's very difficult to uh, get respectfully. So we don't want to be giving out banking licenses to um, everybody. What we're applying for is a wallet license, right, which is a few tears down from a, from a banking license that allows us to hold money and send and receive money yeah, uh, while being protected by, by the regulator as well. Um, now, uh, there's many jurisdictions, as I'm sure you know, Richard, in, in, in the UAE for uh, free zones. So DIFC is one of those free zones who is also a regulator known as DFSA. And then we have ADGM in Abu Dhabi as well. Uh, 
uh, very similar to DIFC um, here um, in, in Dubai as well. We've gone with uh, DIFC and DFSA right now to get regulated um, simply because we're based in Dubai and uh, the, they were willing um, to take a bet on us, you know, um, and what we were doing, even when we were young and perhaps a little bit naive in, in starting a fintech as well. They've been an incredible support and um, quite literally holding a hand um, along the way as well. And I think that initial communication, even before we started the process of getting regulatory approval, um, was really important where we'd be updating them on what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. Fascinating. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about fundraising. Uh, at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, you've raised a total of $9.5 million with a seed round and a Series A from really reputable and well-known investors. Uh, can you talk us through the process of that, how you went about it, and just the entrepreneur journey to raising funds? Yeah, thank you, Richard. Um, yes, it's, 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 it's an important question because that part doesn't come natural to myself nor my co-founder. Uh, we're product people, we engineer, we design. So we really, really enjoy that. Um, so the process of raising funds and going through the mechanics of um, um, communication with investors and seeking investors um, and pitching to investors um, uh, wasn't a natural process for me or Imad. It was a process of learning uh, by doing. Um, and uh, thankfully, uh, we had some early investors. Um, so we raised a small uh, capital at the beginning of 1.5 million from friends and family, Angel Round, and a few institutional investors. Um, one of the institutional investors who invested in us early was uh, GV, uh, Global Ventures, uh, based here in Dubai, UAE. And um, it was really important to have that initial uh, investor um, supporting us. Um, and I think that allowed us to move uh, at the speed that we have done and continue building the product that we have done as well. Um, the entire investment process uh, can take anything uh, from one month to six months to raise capital. Um, and while at the end, everyone has a beautiful PR story that, you know, this company has raised this much, the process of getting there is uh, incredibly, incredibly uh, time consuming, um, but also very rewarding, you know, um, in the sense that um, investors have trusted in our business model, in our product, in the founders, in the team um, to invest their money in as well. Um, so at the end of it, it is um, incredibly rewarding. But the process of getting to um, that point um, requires a lot of countless hours of pitching, sharing what you're doing, questions, uh, QAs. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing. Yeah. And not only that, anything that's outside of our core specialty uh, and you what you, you and your partner did before is going outside of your comfort zone. So mm. it's learning new things. So it's you're learning and you're doing and you're trying to get a result at the same time. Um, but it seems that you've been quite successful at it. So, you know, not only have your partners believed in you, but you've been able to deliver a product that works and tell a convincing story of what problem you're trying to solve. Um, what's been the, you know, what's been the hardest part of uh, getting that story across? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say that um, it's case by case, depending on which in investor you speak to. Um, some 
investors will be very privy to the fintech world. Um, others would be their first time or first time in the region, you know, uh, invest in the Middle East. We have some investors who have invested from the US um, for the first time in, in a Middle Eastern com- uh, company. So um, I would say it's case by case, but for me personally, and I'm sure we can ask him at some point as well, what, what's been the most challenging part for him. For me um, personally, it's... Um, um, storytelling um how do we tell a um a viable story about our product and why we're doing this given as you rightly said um how many fintechs there are out there um and the nuance within the fintech sector is very broad right so you have insure tech within inside fintech you have um uh, financial services banks you have uh, mammal companies like us you have zabuni you have invoicing systems um and so you have an incredibly um uh, um long stream of potential products in the fintech business and making sure that you tell a story um that really really simplifies um uh, what you're doing um has been the most challenging part and while um um, today, this this story um, um, is very, I would say, not not finished, um, but it's getting precise. Um, that's been a process of shaving and trimming the fat and keep coming back at it again and again until people really get it, get it, get it. Um, there's often um, inside the, uh, the startup world, we will often compare ourselves to other startups, you know, like we're the Uber of X, um, where I'm, I'm, you know, uh, we're the Venmo of the region. We've tried our best not to do that and really, really own what we're doing. Um, not because we're doing something miraculously different from other regions, but it is nuanced. What we are doing is providing um, a utility service for financial services that goes beyond just instant transfers of, of payments. Um, it's, it will be a complete platform. Um, right now, um, we are building components and modulizing a lot of that. Um, but the uh, uh, big vision is to make sure that this turns into a, a platform. Fascinating. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. Oh, yeah, I think um, you know, utility is something people understand outside of any specific sector or vertical. Um, and also the nuanced approach. If, you know, if market entry was so easy, then, you know, <laughs> other companies would already be here. So it's not actually easy to be, to do market entry, especially in this region. So this region does need its own solutions. And I think that's why we've seen so much investment, particularly uh, in the fintech space in the last couple of years, both by, uh, you know, investors from the region, but also well-known international investors as well. Um, while we're on this topic, and I want to ask, go back to the consumer later, but um, Asim, can you explain, you know, fintech, you, you touched on it there with the different types of layers of fintech, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so, there's so many layers in it and it changes so fast. Like the, the buy now, pay later trends that came on board mm. uh, recently, uh, you know, is, is another sort of, uh, is another f- area where companies are raising money for and when brands are trying to be built and they're trying to tell their story as well. Um, but, but overall, you know, at a macro level, when we're saying that, uh, traditional financial institutions are going to be disrupted, um, it seems that they're not going to be disrupted by one type of, fintech company like a digital bank or it seems like 
what's happening is there's a massive fragmentation happening. Is that is that how you see it? Wonderful. Well said, uh, Richard. Absolutely. I think we're stripping away um, uh, the the one shop for everything, i.e. Um, banks offering mortgages, loans, um, car loans, um, healthcare. Um, so I think we're moving away from that model and going into um, models that are much more nuanced and focused and targeted, um, particularly where users expect a much, much better um, service uh, from a user experience perspective and um, being rewarded for um, this uh, uh, for, for, for their services to the company as well. And so that's why you're seeing a, um, a, a fragmentation of uh, a lot of uh, these um, financial services now today known as, as fintech. The fintech word in itself can be a little confusing because um, obviously it stands for financial technology, but financial technology has been around for many, 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 many years. We have Swift, we have IBAN, all of that uses backend technology, you know. Um, so I'm always wary about using uh, the fintech word um, as, it, as it stands today. Um, I think what we're doing as startups, whereas buy now, pay later, that Tabby is doing, whereas um, uh, business banking that Brex is doing in, in the UK, um, we're going through a process of purification of the banking industry. Um, and I deliberately chose that word rather than disruption um, because um, the purification um, is the process of um, taking what we've had in the past and really, really making it better. Um, well, we can talk a little bit about DeFi and crypto and blockchain and all of that stuff. That is maverick stuff. Um, but right now we're going through a process of uh, evolution, not necessarily revolution in the fintech space. Fascinating. Yeah. And from a consumer point of view so far, Asim, what, what are they using MAMO for? Like, What's the most common transaction type that you're seeing? Amazing. So we had a, a year in review with um, some of our early adopters, and it was really amazing to see the data and statistics of messages and what people have been using the app for. Um, I would say uh, the top performing um, reason for sending money to someone else has been splitting um, food bills um, that, that remains um, at at the at the top uh, to this day um other use cases are um people paying um uh their personal trainer the yoga teacher the meditation teacher we see um a lot of that um happening inside the consumer app okay amazing and you know you brought something up there i think does this stretch across anyone who has a smartphone for example uh you know sometimes if I'm if I'm rushing somewhere and there's someone offering to clean the car, a very Dubai thing, but I I don't have <laughs> cash and I'd love to pay that person immediately. Is it is that a type of solution that you're gearing towards as well? Like not someone I know and not even an official vendor, um, you know, like a, a sort of an employee of somewhere else where you can just make faster payment. Absolutely, Richard. I feel like you're reading our product roadmap um, for the next year ahead. Uh, yes, indeed, of course, um, we want to target um, uh, the, that user base as well um, in the interest of our mission, which is to simplify payments, collection, settlements for everyone, you know, not just um, the millennials, the millennial segment that we're focused on on right now as well. The best way I would explain it, it's a um, it, 
it's it's a journey um and we decided to start with um smartphone users who um are millennials and very familiar with technology perhaps they've used other apps in their home countries and being expats here already um to set ourselves up for success to test our systems make sure we get regulatory approval etc cetera, etc cetera. um the next phase of that and you'll see this happening more and more um in in uh, q2 q3 and q4 we'll be targeting um tipping we'll be targeting and uh, the car washman um etc Amazing, interesting. Um, so it's obviously a very exciting time in the UAE in the fintech space. There's, uh, you know, young, bright people like yourself. There's creative entrepreneurs. There's lots of investment. Um, but there's also a lot of, uh, crypto people. There's a lot of retail investors <laughs> in, 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 you know, last year there was a big rush on, you know, new people using trading platforms on crypto. This year, everyone seems to be flipping NFTs. Um, but how, how, do, how do you view that? Like, I think your positioning is interesting with that sense and you did touch on it, but position yourself as a wallet and a wallet license. And of course, Web3 and, and crypto is all about wallets. Uh, so do you think that you're naturally positioned to be ready for this trend as well? Yeah, absolutely. And um, this has always um, been um, a target for me, Richard. As a matter of fact, when we first were talking about starting Namo, um, we were playing with the idea of it being a crypto wallet, not in, not as you see wallets today where you can invest and um, um, earn interest on your crypto, but more um, in the way of evangelizing the use case for crypto. So I want every single person um, to be able to pay for a coffee using their crypto. The vendor is none the wiser. He doesn't care what you've used to pay for the coffee. Yeah. He can get settled or she can get settled in fiat currency or Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, so yes, 100%. Our goal in the future, um, I won't name any dates yet because we want to make sure that we get the fiat part right because Fiat isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Bitcoin is where it is today because people were able to buy Bitcoin with fiat currency. So just to reset things a little bit, we still need that onboarding process to buy crypto. And that comes from um, um, our traditional fiat currency. What we're looking to do in the phase uh, uh, is, is to phase it in. Um, I think... Um, the approach that I'd like to take is giving the ability to let our existing MAMO users park their um, uh, crypto that they've already bought from another platform onto their MAMO wallet. So just a holding um, wallet initially. Phase two of that would be the ability for that person to be able to send crypto to their friends and family through the MAMO Pay app. Phase three of that would be the ability for that user to pay for goods and services using their crypto on their MAMO Pay app. Um, so you can see that there's no, um, at least <laughs> for now, I'm fighting this battle, that there's no um, uh, approach to um, invest crypto and uh, create another uh, crypto exchange. Um, I really want to bring crypto to the masses. And uh, as per our initial vision, the vision is to make everyday payments simple. I want users to be able to use crypto to pay for everyday things. Amazing. Good to know. And interesting to hear how you approach it. Uh, not only I mentioned the wallet similarities just in terms of, uh, you know, naming conventions, but actually you know, the, the crypto uh, properties are related to what, as you said, your, your mission is, because 
you know, the promise of crypto is not just in decentralization, but it's also speed of, of currency, of transaction of currency, uh, speed basically, and other things like smart contracts. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that, you know, the, the kind of broader topic and the way that you explained it there is, uh, what in, in any sector and any entrepreneur will, uh, see whether it's product scope creep or, you know, be, you know, not pivoting too much, not jumping onto the next mm. trend just because there's so much media around it and not going, Hey, what if we'd launched, uh, what if we launched a crypto exchange for the region and said, maybe we'd do it better, but you're, you're focusing on payments with a view to how crypto might help payments in the future as well. Wow. Patience and perseverance. Richard. <laughs> exactly. um, and it requires that every day. Um, as you rightly said, we're bombarded with um, news of competition, people moving into the space. Um, but we um, stand uh, resolute in our approach. Um, I think it is the right approach. Me and my co-founder believe that this is the right approach, an approach that is focused and um, uh, that builds on the functionality uh, we currently have um, in an incremental way, um, focused on what the users want. Um, and while this might be a difficult thing to do as a startup because you're battling revenue, making sure you're getting salaries on time, um, while also making sure you're providing a service and product to users who absolutely love it, um, is a constant um, uh, battle as, as founders um, to keep the team uh, focused um, and uh, to make sure that they continue uh, believing in that focus and that mission and that vision. Exactly, yeah. N nothing's worse than if things keep changing, that people lose belief in, in what's happening. But just touching on something you said in terms of uh, you know, the things that other people are doing. And going back to what you mentioned earlier uh, about, you know, the fintech uh, space uh, fragmenting and becoming more focused on different areas. Uh, you know, a potential competitor to Mamo is a platform that offers payments. So say Beta or Meta, sorry, <laughs> Uh, if Facebook yeah. offer payments or if Twitter offer tipping and things like that. Um, so it's not necessarily just so if, you know, if Coinbase offer NFTs or if, you know, uh, different types of platforms in this region like Rain or BitOasis offer, uh, payments like that. It's, it's more like potentially a, a competitor is, uh, you know, the old financial institutions, if they get really fast or if, Apple do things that are faster, Facebook do. Is, is that how you see it? Are they, are they a threat in this way that if they actually did things right, there, there wouldn't be an opportunity for um, the evolution that you're part of? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think about this um, quite frequently, um, Richard. Um, and we're, we're, we're two years in, and while this... Um, thought was ever so present at the beginning. Right now, I'm of the opinion that um, financial services, uh, especially payments, um, is much like um, restaurants. You can never have enough. Um, consumers would always want choice, different flavors, different cuisines. Um, in the fintech space, that means better rates, better user experiences, being rewarded for your services as well. Um, so while uh, competition is around um, and it's important to um, uh, uh, understand uh, what you're up against. Um, I do believe that there's um, space uh, for many players inside the fintech or financial services um, realm. Um, I think it, it 
also is very healthy, particularly for the UAE to have this competition, because I would say that we have been a little bit slow on the uptake for uh, fintech um, um, uh, companies. Um, so having more competition actually um, allows us to provide uh, more unique, beautiful, delightful services. Um, otherwise, you would have a monopoly where there's one provider that does a shitty service and, you know, um, everyone just has to um, accept it, you know. So I think overall, um, the competition is 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 uh, really healthy and good. Okay, very good, and that's a good answer. It's a good way of explaining it, uh, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it relates it back to the consumer. But it is a, a truth that people do want more. They do want uh, different offerings. It's the same. It's a good analogy with the restaurants as well. Um, so what's next? Uh, you touched on roadmap before, but. You know, in terms of particularly in terms of markets, uh, you know, we often ask on this podcast uh, that, you know, is the Middle East an emerging market and will it emerge? And, and what are your views on that? And, and where is your focus in terms of countries? Yeah. Um, so I think the region is uh, going through an incredible amount of growth right now. And when I say region, I include GCC and, and MENA as a whole. Um, as well, you've seen what's happening um, in, in Saudi and the investment there. Um, the UAE, I would say, is doubling down on everything that they've started as well. So it's a really exciting time to be alive and to be in this country to be doing what we're doing as well. I would say that this opportunity wouldn't have happened in my home country in the UK. I wouldn't be able to sit with regulators um, or ministers and talk about finance, you know. So the opportunity is is massive here um, and, so, and, and as such, impact is um, as well. Um, while Memo is a homebred uh, UAE uh, Dubai company, of course, we want to make sure that we are providing an extended service, uh, particularly to the GCC region. Um, we do have ambitions to move into Saudi, um, but I'm of the opinion making sure that we get it right um, um, on our home turf, which is Dubai, and making sure that our systems right now are built in a way that are modular, that will allow us to move into other markets like Saudi, in a year or so um, at a much quicker pace than we did um, building it in, in, in Dubai. Um, and in that time, I guess what we'll be doing is uh, making sure we're working with regulators and getting the uh, approvals that we need there as well, which is a process in itself and can take several months. Okay, interesting. But you will do market entry like that with people on the ground working with the regulators like you did here with the learnings from here, and you'll do it as a country by country approach? Yes, correct. So um, there's a lot that goes into this. So, for example, to move into Saudi, we need to make sure that our app, our app works in Arabic as well. Um, and that requires a lot of back end work for us to do. So we're already preparing for that and making sure that um, technically we're sound and we're good to go while um, um, working with uh, regulators Sama, in, in Saudi, making sure that um, we are set up for success in the way of our regulation, making sure that we meet the country requirements. Um, and then, of course, going into the process of hiring a country manager on the ground, which is really, really important. Very good. Yeah, of course, we could talk about hiring as well. But that's all we have time for today, Asim. I really appreciate you sharing and being transparent about the journey of MAMO. Uh, I'm definitely going to check it out and make a payment over the weekend uh, using the app. And uh, we'll follow your journey and your continued success. Thank you so much, Richard. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Thank you.
I really enjoyed that. I found Asim really transparent with what he's doing. I, I liked, I think you pretend by my uh, conversation with him that I liked the way he was approaching the business. Um, and I think that, you know, it's often hard to kind of cut through um, the fintech space as a, as a company, but they seem to be doing a good job. So I'll definitely check out the app. Uh, thank you to our producers, Shahir and Ali, for putting the show together. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, if you're on a podcast app, please do subscribe, let it, leave a review. Um, some of the apps have abilities to record and send us a question, so you can do that as well. Uh, if you are watching on any of our social channels, do check out the website or the app, uh, Smashy TV. We're available on all mobile apps, but also all mobile devices, but also TV apps as well. And now such as Apple TV and Sony TVs uh, as well. Uh, so do download the app, uh, subscribe for free trial, and then check out any of the podcasts and let us know uh, what you think. There'll be another episode next week.